0: Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor JD Farrakh. Not only are you blind to your pride, you're
1: intoxicated by your pride. That's the other thing that pride does. It brings you under its intoxicating influence, and that is exactly what happened to them then. And it happens to us too, doesn't it? So, one thing about pride. It is so subtle, yet so dangerous.
0: You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kamiyohei. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Isaiah. We've heard it said that pride goes before a fall. It's true. As Pastor J.D. teaches today, it's sneaky and subtle at times. In his study, you'll discover you're not alone. We all struggle with it, and yet there's hope and redemption in the midst of our most prideful moments. Run to Jesus in humility today. Now be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Isaiah chapter 29 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth.
1: The prophet Isaiah is prophesying to Israel, and sadly, he is prophesying to a people who only want to hear smooth things. Not hard things, smooth things, positive things. Good things. Hey, don't, don't tell us about that. I want to hear good things. So it's just the smooth things, not the hard things. You know, it's amazing and it never ceases to amaze me. Wherever you're at, do you find this to be true? I know you do, but wherever you're at in God's Word is where you're at in your life. We know that God's Word is alive and active and sharper than any two-edged sword as we just studied and learned in our study in Hebrews. But it is so alive and so active that it activates and it leaps off the pages of our Bibles and comes to life because it's the Word of life and it speaks to wherever you're at in your life. And this is exactly where we're at in our lives today. It's where we're at on Sunday mornings. Just last Sunday talking about being dull of hearing, becoming bored with the things of God, not wanting to hear the hard teachings. And we're also in the prophecy updates talking about, in the Old Testament, with the prophets like Jeremiah and Micaiah. Very interesting account with Micaiah. And he was the only one that was willing to stand up against the rest. 400 to be exact. All these prophets were speaking in the name of the Lord, thus saith the Lord. And it's all good. It's all good. And then here's Micaiah who says, no it's not it's not good. In fact, it's it's bad. I know you don't want to hear it, but you need to hear it because it's the truth. This is bad. This is really bad. And we live in a day now in where people don't want to hear. They just want to hear warm and fuzzy sermonettes for Christianettes, as one said. <laughs> I like that one. But just, you know, be positive. None of this doom and gloom stuff. I don't want to hear that. Come on. Speak only the things that my ears are itching to hear. The things that I want to hear. The smooth things. Well, let's start chapter 29, verse 1 woe again A curse to Ariel, to Ariel the city where David dwelt. Add year to year, let feasts come around. Yet, verse 2, I will distress Ariel. There shall be heaviness and sorrow, and it shall be to me as Ariel. I will encamp against you all around. I will lay siege against you with a mound, and I will raise siege works against you. You shall be brought down. You shall speak out of the ground. Your speech shall be low out of the dust. Your voice shall be like a medium's out of the ground, and your speech shall whisper out of the dust. Wow, we're off to a great start. How perky is this? (laughs) I mean, Isaiah, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is pronouncing this curse, this prophecy, to Jerusalem. Another name for Jerusalem is Ariel, the city of David and it's really a warning from God who loves them and he wants to warn them about this coming invasion from the Assyrians, which we'll talk about more here shortly. Moreover, verse 5, the multitude of your foes shall be like fine dust. You're going to be brought to dust, but I'm going to make them like fine dust. In other words, This judgment is coming upon you, but I'm also going to judge the enemies that I'm allowing to come against you. And the multitude of the terrible ones like chaff that passes away, yes, it shall be in an instant. Suddenly you will be punished by the Lord of hosts with thunder and earthquake and great noise with storm and tempest and the flame of devouring fire. The multitude, verse 7, of all the nations who fight against Ariel, even all who fight against her and her fortress and distress her shall be as a dream of a night vision. This is getting interesting. Verse 8, "...it shall even be as when a hungry man dreams, and look, he eats, but he awakes, and his soul is still empty. Or as when a thirsty man dreams, and look, he drinks, but he awakes, and indeed he is faint, and his soul still craves." so the multitude of all the nations shall be who fight against Mount Zion." You know what Isaiah is declaring here? You know how it is when you wake up from a dream and realize, oh, was just a dream. Or worse yet, how about those nightmares that are so real? I knew I shouldn't have eaten that before I went to bed. I mean, this was in 3D IMAX, that dream. It was so real. And you wake up in the morning, you're like, oh, thank you, Jesus. It was just a nightmare. Oh, thank. of course, it works both ways. Sometimes you wake up in the morning and this is real. I wish it were a nightmare or a a dream. And no, this is, this is really happening. Well, this is what Isaiah is doing here. He's painting this picture of someone waking up from a dream only to realize it was just a dream. So here's this invading army coming against Israel, coming against Jerusalem, and it's their dreams come true, except it doesn't. This is what the targets were in their sights. Oh man, this would just be a dream come true to invade Jerusalem. And then they wake up to the reality that it did not and will not happen. And that's what the Lord declares through the prophet Isaiah. Verse 9, pause and wonder. Blind yourselves and be blind. They are drunk but not with wine. They stagger, but not with intoxicating drink. Well, then the question becomes, what, pray tell, are they intoxicated and blinded by if it's not drink? Oh, answer, pride. Stay with me. Pride blinds. The one thing about pride is that it blinds you to the fact that you're proud. Let me say the same thing in a different way. This is the insidiousness of pride. You don't even know your pride. You're proud. You're blind to your own pride. And so someone might say to you, well, you're full of pride. (laughs) No, I'm not. You're blind to it. And not only are you blind to your pride, you're intoxicated by your pride. That's the other thing that pride does. It brings you under its intoxicating influence. And that is exactly what happened to them then. And it happens to us too, doesn't it? So one thing about pride, it is so subtle yet so dangerous. And pride always leads to the fall. I know in my own walk with the Lord, I, (laughs) okay, I struggle with pride. (laughs) So do you too. So don't look at me all spiritual and everything. And and sometimes it it just kind of, oh, the flesh loves it, right? And we start thinking, hey, not too bad, not too shabby. And we become full of ourselves and full of pride. And if that weren't bad enough, we are all capable of and have the propensity to become spiritually proud. Oh, that's the worst. Spiritual pride? Oof. we can become so spiritually proud that we actually are humble about our pride. And even in that state, we can become proud of our humility. You know how it is? It's called false humility, by the way. That's not humility at all. And And what makes it so just... I guess, again, for lack of a better word, insidious, is that you don't realize that you're proud. You actually fancy yourself quite humble. By the way, just ask me, I'll tell you how humble of a man I am. That's what pride does. It blinds you to your current condition. It blinds you to seeing you as God sees you. And this is why it is that God deems it necessary to show us us as He sees us. I mean, you 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 see yourself this way. Remember those memes? I, I, they're probably still around. I don't know. I don't go on social media anymore. But, you know, they had the, the first picture, what my friends think I do. Uh, Oh, you know what I'm talking about, right? And then what my boss thinks I do, what my parents think I do. And then there's one last picture, what I actually do. And it's quite humorous, actually. But how we see ourselves, and we always, come on, let's be honest with ourselves. We always shed ourselves in the most favorable light. Don't we? When we were going through our study of the book of Proverbs, we got into the teens, the chapters that are often referred to as the contrasting Proverbs. These are the Proverbs where the uh, where Solomon writes that the righteous do this, but the wicked do that. And you're like, yeah, those wicked. But boy, that That first part of the verse, that proverb, the righteous do this. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. (laughs) And them wicked. No. (laughs) We're going to see this uh, here in a moment. Um, You got it backwards. You're the wicked. I'm sorry if I'm pointing. I'll try to.
0: (laughs) I know, I'm wicked, I'm wicked.
1: But we always shed ourselves in the most favorable of light. But God sees through that. He sees us as we really are. And the problem is, is that our pride and our arrogance and our obstinance blinds us to the reality of our true condition. And that's what Isaiah is saying here. Verse 10, For the Lord has poured out on you the spirit of deep sleep, this isn't good, (laughs) and has closed your eyes, namely the prophets, and he has covered your heads, namely the seers. The whole vision, verse 11, has become to you like the words of a book that is sealed which men deliver to one who is literate, saying, read this, please. And he says, I cannot, for it is sealed. Then the book is delivered to one who is illiterate, saying, read this, please. And he says, I am not literate. What's happening here? Well, it seems that God has sealed up, shut up, closed up, his word to them. Now lest one think that this is not fair, why would God do that? Well, this is what happens when we close our ears and eyes to the Lord. The Lord says, okay, you don't want to see it, you don't want to hear it, it's boring to you, yawn, yawn. <laughs> I'm just going to give you over to that which you want anyway. So, it's this, this is chilling to me, that God would pour out this spirit of deep sleep. Some of you are like, man, I would, I would do anything for <laughs> a spirit. I need a good night's sleep. I could use me some of that deep sleep. But what about when God shuts your eyes? so you can't see? What if He seals it up so you can't understand? No matter how you try. I mean you even solicit the help of others who are of no help to you. And this is what God does. He will close up and seal up and not reveal to you that which he knows you will not be faithful to do, because he cannot be party to your disobedience. In other words, you didn't do what I said before. Why would I give you something else to do? You didn't do the last thing. I'm thinking of that proverb, and I I hope I don't botch it too much. But it basically goes something like this, that the integrity of the upright guides them, but the duplicity of the unrighteous will be their downfall. Meaning that God, who knows the end from the beginning, if He knows that you have the integrity to follow through on what He calls you or shows you to do, He will show you what to do. But if he knows that there's duplicity and there's really no sincerity, let alone integrity, to do what he's showing you or telling you to do, then he will close it up to you. Because if he were to reveal that to you and open that up to you, and yet you have no intention of doing it, then he becomes party to your disobedience. Does that make sense? It's an interesting word in the original language of the Old Testament because the word for guide is the same word from the Urim and the Thummim that the high priest would use to make the decisions and discern what God's will was. This is what Samuel brought with him to the house of Jesse to anoint the next king of Israel. And so God would reveal what it was that he was to do through these uh, Urim and Thummim. They would lighten up and align in a certain way, and then the priest would know this is the way. This is what God would have us to do. But here's the problem. If God knows that, you know, well, show me first, tell me first, and I'll decide. Nope, it doesn't work that way doesn't work that way, because I already know. I know you more than you know yourself, God says. (laughs) And I I know how you are. I know what you'll do. We were talking, uh, my daughter and I on the way to church today, the children's ministry lesson is in Psalm 139. This is where the psalmist writes about how God knew us before we were even formed in our mother's wombs. His thoughts towards us are more numerous, incalculable, really more numerous than the sands on the seashore. And how God knew us even before, I I told her, I said, God knew you even before I met your mom. How about that? Wow, that's heavy. Yeah, it is. (laughs) He knew you before I was even born. Because you understand, without me, there's no you. Ha! Think about that one. Mom too, I guess, but we're not talking about mom right now. (laughs) But God knew me before (laughs) I was even a thought, before my parents even knew each other. And God knows us. He knows the end from the beginning and He knows How we are and who we are, and what we will do. And so, God will reveal to us, He'll open it up to us when He knows that we have the integrity to follow through and be found faithful doing that which He has called us to do. If we're just going to kind of test the water and, you know, let's just, you know, let's take this slow, let me, you know, show me the plan. And I'll decide. Oh, really? No, that's okay. I'll find somebody else who I know will do it. So it's closed up to you. It's closed up. I'm going to close your eyes. And, and never imagine this as, you know, God taking delight in doing this. In a way, if you think about it, this is God's grace. Because otherwise they become more accountable in their disobedience. This is why it is, by the way, that Jesus spoke in parables. He knew that they would not accept Him. They would reject Him. Had they understood and still rejected Him, it would have increased their eternal torment and punishment. This was the grace of God to keep it from them, to close it up, And keep it from them. That was the grace of God. He was actually being merciful to them, because you're judged according to, recompensed according to that which you do. So this is God's grace. He's closing it up to them. Verse 13, Therefore the Lord said, Inasmuch as these people draw near with their mouths, and honor me with their lips, but have removed their hearts far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the commandment of men.
0: You've been listening to another edition of In Spirit and Truth. Thanks for tuning in to study the Word of God. As you continue to learn from Isaiah with Pastor J.D., make sure to really think about what you're hearing and what God wants to speak to you today through Scripture. We encourage you to keep reading on your own. If you're not already part of a local church that you call home, we encourage you to find one and attend regularly to grow in relationship with God and others. And if you're in or near the Kaneohe area, come visit us. You'll find all the information you need, including service times and directions to Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're there, you can also access more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings like you heard today, including his weekly prophecy updates. In addition to that, you may be interested in the ABCs of Salvation under the Resources tab. This is a simple guide to sharing the good news of salvation in Jesus. As we continue to learn from the book of Isaiah together, we'd be honored to pray for you during this study. Would you let us know what those prayer requests might be? Just fill out the contact form under the About tab at calvarychapelkaneohe.com or come find us on social media. There's a link to our Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook pages on our website. We encourage you to follow them so you can stay up to date with all that's happening at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe and in spirit and truth. That's all we have time for today, but thanks for listening to In Spirit and Truth.
1: Right with you Holding me true.